Uh, March the 19th, 2023, we're going to start today lesson number 10 on Esther, and we're going to go through chapter 8. And so, you know, after after last week, we ended up where they hanged Haman. We're like, okay, story's done, right? We can just close the Bible, we're done. No, no, there's a lot more work, a lot more things that need to take place uh, in the book of Esther. So we're going to continue on with uh, Esther chapter 8 today. And let's just go ahead and read that, and then we'll back up and kind of see what we can learn at, from it. On that day, now let's back up to verse 10 of, of chapter 7. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath passed. Chapter 8, verse 1. On that day did the king Harassus give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told him what was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and he gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spake yet again before the king. Now, how many times has this been that she's went before the king? Several, right? Four. Is this probably four? Who mentioned four? You? You're probably right here. Okay. And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. And then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seemeth right before the king, and I be pleasing into his eyes, and you got to stop and think, now wait a minute, she's just pouring it on. I mean, this is like the... Fourth time, she's went before the king, and she just keeps going through the same thing. If it pleased the king, if it, but you know what? That's a lot of our prayer life before the real king, God in heaven. And when we go to God in heaven and pray, we need to acknowledge who he is. Have you guys ever thought about that when you're praying? You go, oh, Father, you know, and you sit there and you're like, I do this every time. Is that redundant? Is that something I should do, shouldn't do? Because God knows. But no, we need to constantly admit it. Every time we come before the king, we need to admit who he is. And that's what Esther is doing here. Okay? Um, and let's, let's get back to verse 5. And she says, And I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in all the king's provinces. Verse 6, For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how shall I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? So, I mean, this this lady Esther had some substance about her. It wasn't just all about her. Because mm-hmm. she had got through the point where, where the king's like, No, I'm not going to... I'm going to make sure you don't get killed, Esther. And I'm going to make sure Mordecai doesn't get killed. But yeah, that wasn't the end of the story, was it? Who is the guy that used to talk about the end of the story? This is the rest of the story. Paul Harvey. Okay. You guys still remember that. I do too. So, and now the rest of the story, right? And I kind of missed that. Verse 7. It says, Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, it's, it's interesting why he's always called the Jew. Mordecai the Jew. Mordecai the Jew. It's interesting. He says, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribes called at that time, in the third month, that is the month Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that, who? Mordecai commanded. So I believe that Esther gave that over to Mordecai. She's like, okay, she's probably like, okay, um, and who is he to her? 
cousin. cousin, kind of a dad, father. That was kind of a trick question, but he's cousin. But basically, it's like, you know what? I think you'll do a much better job of writing this than me. Okay? And so she gave it over to Mordecai, and he commanded unto the Jews and unto the lieutenants and the deputies and rulers of the provinces, which are from India into Ethiopia, a hundred twenty and seven provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing, and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries wherein the king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. So he told them, so when these people are coming after you to destroy you and take your stuff, you have the right to defend yourself kill them, and take their stuff. Okay? Let me just put it in Bob's language. Verse 12. Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan, the palace. Verse 15, And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with a garment of fine linen and purple. And this city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. All right, so a lot in that chapter, right? And so let's go back and look at it. And basically, what we're going to see here in chapter 8 is the king's new plan. His new plan to combat Haman's plot. That's basically what we're seeing here. And I want to point out that this is a plan of preservation. It's a plan for, did you catch that? On that day. It starts off right at the beginning of 8. It says, on that day, which is again a reference to what? Second coming. Now, hold on. Just back up to chapter uh, 6. And let me throw something out to you. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, on that night. So this is a contrast from on that night in chapter 6 when the king couldn't sleep. And to on that day, so basically on that night in the Bible is a reference to what, class? What's the night a picture of? Tribulation. Tribulation. The tribulation is, is, is likened into night in the Bible. And so again, you're going to start seeing the pictures and the types through this story. And, uh, I imagine the guy that wrote Esther you know, just popped up with that. No, the, the Holy Spirit told him what to write. Okay. Could it also be, though, the Passover that night when, you know, the angel of the Lord went and killed all the new firstborn? Could it be? That could be a picture of it, too, because that's at night. So everything's going to line up to a degree. To a degree, it'll line up. So we see a plan right off the bat in chapter 8 on that day, second coming which is a contrast to on that night, which was earlier in the story. So let's look at the king's new plan. So number one, he gives the house of Haman to who? Do you remember who he gave it to? Esther. Esther. He gives it to Esther, 
And we find out later on that Esther turns around and gives it to who? Mordecai. Mordecai. Okay. So he gives the house of Haman to Esther, but he gives his ring to who? Mordecai. Mordecai. So Mordecai goes in your blank. Remember I told you back at the beginning of, of going through the book of Esther, who's this book about? Is it about Esther or is it about Mordecai? Remember that? And then I went back and I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just settle this. How many times is Esther mentioned and how many times Mordecai was mentioned? And what was it? 52. It was like, it, it was 50 some odd, 52, 56, something like that, and they were both the same. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a even. So we see that Mordecai is way up in this story just as much as Esther is, okay? And so he gives the house to Haman, uh, of Haman to Esther, which he turns around and gives it to Mordecai, and he gives his ring to Mordecai. And the, I mean, I'm just thinking, which is rare, no. But <laughs> I mean, really, we could say it's about the Jews because he he's promised the Jews that they were going to be the Jews. I mean, his people. And so, really, the Mordecai. I mean, we could say Mordecai and Esther, but it's really the Jews are saved. Yes. Yes. Again, it's a plan. The king's plan was a plan of preservation. And so, yes, that's, the Jews are going to be preserved mm-hmm. in this book. Mordecai and Esther are used in the preservation of the Jews. Yep. Correct. Correct, they are. And we'll go back and look at those types coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, no, no, that's great. So, those two things basically set up the whole chapter. And it's just the rest are just details that fit into those. So, but we're going to see again that Esther has another petition in this, and she fell at the king's feet. She is, she really, all through this, she recognizes who the king is. Now, I'm thinking in the back of her mind, she's probably thinking Vashti didn't. But the correct thing to do is, before the king, is to reverence him at all times. And that's, again, our, a picture of us. When we come before Christ, we need to reverence who He is. And she does that every time. Number two, it says, She besought Him with tears to get rid of Haman's mischief. Well, number one, the king's, king obviously cares for Esther and loves Esther. And when she comes to him in tears, what do you think he's going to do? Give her what she wants. Yeah, he, he already told her. You remember that thing that he had told her before? Up into half the kingdom, I'm going to give it to you. And so again, she comes in tears and she says, uh, she comes with tears and asks him to get rid of Haman's mischief. Uh, that word mischief is also translated evil in our Bible. So, interesting. So when you, you know, a lot of times we'll use, or that guy's into mischief. Biblically speaking, it means evil. So we, you know, we kind of need to watch what we say. Uh, but again, we have our own language. I know I have my own language because when it's, when I speak half the time, nobody understands it. So, um, okay. So, um, number three, she's, and this is what she spoke. She goes, if I have found favor in your sight, and I'm like, here we go again. And if my requests seem right, and I seem pleasing in your eyes, king. Then please, 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 let a decree be written to reverse Haman's decree to destroy the Jews. Uh, I just put please, please, please in for a fact. I don't know if she said that. Okay, I don't know if she actually said that. And she says, for I cannot bear to see my people destroyed. So she's just not another pretty face. This lady had character. This lady uh, was obedient to her cousin Mordecai. She cared for her people. Okay. The only thing is the seam needs to be S-E-E-M and not S-E-A-M because S-E-A-M is talking about the seam of my dress, the seam of something. It's S-E-E-M. It should be in both places. Yes. Where do I have that at? And if my request seem right, mm-hmm. and if I seem pleasing in your eyes, it's not talk, it's not that same. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Number three, the king's answer to Esther's petition. 
Again, here we go again. He goes, I have given Esther Haman's house and hung him on the gallows for he tried to destroy the Jews. Now, I want want you to think about that for a minute. He doesn't say, I hung Haman on the gallows because I was hacked off at him. He doesn't say, I hung Haman on the the gallows because he deceived me. He doesn't say that I hung Haman on the gallows because, you know, I thought he was trying to force my wife. He doesn't say that. He says, and I have hung him because why? Because he tried to destroy the Jews. And that was the issue. So the king, out of his own mouth, basically nailed it down. He must have come to his senses and realized, you know, the Jewish, these Jews, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people under me are actually good people. And here Haman had tricked me and sought me to destroy these Jews. So, now that lines right back up somewhere in the Bible where God said, if, if you, uh, if you curse my people, I'll curse you and I'll bless you if you bless my people. Now where is that? Genesis 12.3. Genesis 12.3. Okay. It's right there on our handout. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Angela's pretty smart this morning. And I'm like, not that she isn't always, but I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. So Genesis 12.3. Now again, I think it was about a year ago when we were going through, uh, people in Genesis. And, uh, I may have to pull that out sometime and teach it again. And I used the uh, main characters in the book of Genesis and we just went through what did God do for them? You know, cause you know, you ever think, ever think from time to time, okay, what has God done for me? You hear people, you hear other people say that all the time. I've heard people tell me that. Why should I accept Christ as my Savior? What God, what did He ever do for me? Well, let me tell you what he's done for you, right? And so back in Genesis 12, 3, when we look through all the things he did for Adam, all the things he did for Abraham, all the things he did for these people, and we listed them out on the whiteboard, I mean, I was just amazed. And yet, I could put my own name up there and write a list, you know, that looks like a train of all the things that God has done good for me. But in Genesis 12, verse 2, it says, And I will make of thee a great nation... He's talking to Abram, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now let me ask you a question. Is that promise still in effect? It is, even today. It was, a, it was an effect all through history, and specifically in Esther, now, what do you think God's going to do to the king now since he's reversing this uh, and getting things right with the Jews? He's going to blossom. Our nation today, as long as we stand with Israel, we're going to be blessed. But when we don't, we'll lose that blessing that God has for us. Okay. So, and I know you all know that. So, he tried to uh, destroy the Jews... And it wasn't the fact that he just finally woke up and realized this guy Haman is really a jerk. Now, I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I've seen people that... uh, I I worked at a place once where the boss had an employee that just went the extra mile. And the more he went the extra mile, the the meaner the, 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 the boss was towards him. And I thought, wow, that's kind of kind of rough. I'm like, this guy was going above and beyond and it's like, and he he got treated worse. And I'm thinking, uh, that's not so good. And, and yet even in my life, so there's, there's people in my life that treat me like dirt and I, and until I get to a certain point and I, I wake up and I'm like, you know what? This guy's been treating me like dirt for a long time. Why do I continue to be nice to the guy, you know, I mean, or go overboard with the guy. And so you've probably had that same thinking in your life. I remember my son, Jeremy, when he was little and we were going to church, there was a guy there named Curtis. And Curtis was a jerk. 
Curtis treated him bad. He was a couple years older. And the worse he treated my son, the more my son just thought he was everything. Till finally he woke up one day. And it's like, you know what? He's really a jerk. I don't think I want to hang around him. I don't want anything to do with him. That's the same thing here. The king, Hasarius, he thought Haman was all that in a bag of chips. And then he found out the bag had already been opened. And he wasn't that such a great guy. And so, uh, he gave, he tried to destroy the Jews. And I think it finally dawned on the king, Hasarius, hey, this was not a good thing that this guy tried to pull over my eyes. Number two, his his answer to uh, Esther's petition was therefore to he goes therefore write a new decree to combat Haman's as ye like write it in my name seal it with my ring and use my royal scribes. So let me ask you this: Do you think he trusted Esther and Mordecai now? Yes. I mean, it's completely reversed. Okay. At least he does what's right. And I want to look at number three, the time frames. The first decree was written on the first month. Now, this is the one that Haman had the scribes come in to write against the Jews. It was written on the first of the month of, or it was written on the first month, the what day? Did you catch the day? 23rd. No, no, no. That's the second one. Okay. The first one was written on the 13th day. Okay. Now the second degree was written on the third month, 23rd day, which was Mordecai's. And the execution of both degree, of decrees would be on the 12th month, what day? 13th. Again, that 13 comes back in. So you think somebody's trying to tell us something with the numbers 13? It's not a good number, right? Right. Just so happened. Hey, forget all that. I have people go, you go too far and you start throwing numbers and stuff like that. Okay, it just so happens to be the 13th. Mm-hmm. Just so happens. Okay. Number four, Mordecai wrote the decree and he sent it by post on horseback and riders on mules. I know somebody would like that. And camels and young dromedaries. So what in the world is a dromedary? Who, okay, who's raced on a farm in here? It's like a it's a, it's a mare. It's a one. A young mare. It's a type of camel. What do you think, bud? What's a dromedary? You got any dromedaries on your farm? Because I cheated and looked it up. Oh, you looked it up? What did you, what'd you find? It's a young mare. Of course, young mare. Uh-uh. You're half right. I know, I know you looked it up. What did you look it up in? Camel? I just looked it up. The word in, in my Strong's? blue letter Bible. Yeah. Yep, it's okay. Okay. Well, it does that. I, th- I think we're half. I think that answer is half right. No. It, because it says a it says a young ma- brood mares when I looked it up. Yeah. Yeah. But then when I look up it again farther, and the more I dug into it, I found out that it's basically a young, young. camel with only one hump. Yeah. Now what? What do you need to know that for? Got Jesus donkeys. <laughs> do you? See that cross on him? I see it. <laughs> okay. So, so now why that's in there, I don't know. Why did God have to put drama? I, I guess he's being accurate. So riders on mules, riders on camels, and young dromedaries. And I, I would imagine... So they were probably very specific. So a... Probably a dromedary is a young brood camel with one hump. So what does brood mean? Breeding? Yeah, a brood mare is somebody that you uh, is an animal that you keep breeding. You back keep breeding back. Yes. Okay. It's young. It could be younger, I guess. Okay. So. I don't know why these animals were listed here. I know there's probably a specific reason. And if, it, if you just can't sleep tonight, you know, yeah. dig into it and see what you can find out. Yeah. Okay, so what's interesting... Now, I'm not so much interested on... on uh, 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 well, let me see. I am. It was sent out by post on horseback, riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. The thing that's interesting is, is back... In uh, chapter 3, let's go back and look at chapter 3 when the first decree went out. And let me see what verse I need to go to. Um, 
Verse 13, chapter 3, 13 says, And the letters, the first decrees, were sent by post unto all the king's providences to destroy, to kill, and cause to perish all the Jews. Okay, so it just says there that there was post that was sent out. This time it says they were the post were sent out on Pony Express, Express, basically, Camel Express or whatever you want to call it. You know, Uh, you know, the first time it was sent out by by Haman was just. I imagine maybe they were walking. I don't know. It doesn't mention that they were sent out by the animals. This time it was sent out by U.S. Mail, FedEx, uh, uh, Federal Express, and uh, UPS, United Parcel Stompers, and I don't know what's the other ones that are out there. I mean, and what do you think that? What do you think in one place it mentions it, and the other place it doesn't? Well, it's faster. It's faster. I think when Mordecai, I think you're right. Again, I'm just assuming when Mordecai sent it out there a couple months later. It was more urgent because the first one was they had all year to get to get to the point, and now so why would Mordecai want to send it out more urgently, Roger? So the the Jewish people would have time to prepare to defend themselves. Okay, so that's that's one. Can you think of anything else, guys? Time is short. Yeah, the time factor is short. But what about their their attitude? What about um, you know you know the Jewish the Jews' attitude? He wanted them to know as soon as possible that this decree is going to be reversed. That's what I'm thinking. So, uh, right. Not only not only because these guys are all thinking they're going to die. You know, and now he's like, no, I, I want them to know as soon as possible that they're going to have a record, a recourse for this. That they need to, they need to fight against them too. That they have been given the, the decree to, you know, the stock part, you know, to, to put all the bullets in their pistols and everything. Yeah. Um, it, it does give them time to prepare, but I also think it also helps their, their countenance, their attitude, their attitude because mm-hmm. now they're like, there's hope now. Okay, so I'm just thinking that. Um, number five, the new decree gave the Jews the right to defend themselves from the earlier decree and to kill and plunder the people that would oppose them on the 13th of the last month. So what do we see from that? Number one, the first decree could not be stopped, but another decree could offset or nullify it. Does that sound like anything else you've seen in the Bible? Has has there been any other laws in the Bible that were sent and then another law was sent to nullify the first one? Yes. You have the Ten Commandments and then you have the New Covenant when Jesus came. Okay. So that's a new new rule. Okay. I could do that. Um, You got a verse? No. (laughs) I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Turn over to Romans 6.23. And I know you guys are probably not thinking this yet. Jesus said they came to not to abolish the law. But to fulfill it. But to fulfill it. Okay. Is that where you're headed? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. In Romans 6.23, again, it's part of the Romans road. Yeah. says, for the wages of sin is death. Can anything fix that? So there's two there's two there's two things going two laws that are going on there. Number one, you sin, you die. Mm-hmm. Nothing fixes that. The second one is is that God gave his son to pay that penalty for us. So there you see God's law being but God's law couldn't just be wiped under or thrown under the the uh, the rug shoved under the rug it had to be fulfilled so God sent another law he sent his son to take care of what we couldn't okay so I don't know I was just kind of seeing that that you know the king's laws once they're broken you can't fix them something there has to be another law given and a following of that so you could look at uh, 
Now, so let me just ask some questions. Okay, so Romans Road in here. Everybody know Romans Road? Okay. What's the first verse in Romans Road? Romans 3.23. Okay. How about, and then the next one is? 6.23. Then what? 5.8. And then? 10.9 I'll say 10.13. Okay. So, again, things we ought to be able to just run right off of our, our tongue, we ought to be able to quote all those too. But I really like Romans 6.23 because it has both sides in it. It's got the wages of sin is death, but there's one of those big buts in the Bible. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Okay, So there's, there's an example of the king's law being overridden by another law that he sends out. So back in Esther, we're going to look at Mordecai's promotion. So Esther chapter 8. So he got the king's ring. He got the king's ring. And he got Haman's position. I don't know if you guys saw that. He ends up with the position of being top prince of, of the kingdom. He gets that. And he got a new wardrobe. That's what's interesting. And what's interesting is that the colors on this wardrobe kind of match up with the very beginning, uh, the, the feast that they had with Vashti at the beginning. And I haven't laid all them out, but it, they, they do have the same colors in them. So from, he goes from sackcloth, remember he had put on sackcloth to, you got two blanks in your, your uh, handout. What do you think goes in those? Mordecai goes from sackcloth to Royal apparel. That's your two blanks. And not only that, back when he was put the sackcloth on, what did he put on his head? Dust and ashes. So he goes from dust and ashes on his head to a crown. So he's kind of got the same story of Joseph in the Bible. You know, Joseph's thrown into the pit. He goes to the palace. I have to, I got that written down somewhere, but he, I mean, he just kind of goes through, it starts getting worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, then God starts pulling him out of the pit, and he puts him in the palace, and up at a number two in the land, a lot like Mordecai, okay? And so he gets, uh, he goes from dust on his head to a crown. So what can we learn from this story? And so far, I mean, I look at the Bible a lot, and I focus a lot on the history side of it. But yet there's the inspiration side. You know, some people focus real heavy on the inspiration and I focus on the history, but you need them both. And so, um, especially Old Testament because I see, I, I see people pull the Old Testament and just try to make it ours. And I'm like, eh, you can't really do that. But you can pull some things out that, that, that will kind of, that will fit with us. So we, what, can, what can we learn from this story? That God's enemies will eventually be put down. Now, I use that put down there in a real derogatory sense, you know, kind of like a dog. You know, God's enemies will eventually be put down because I'm thinking they didn't think Haman was going to be put down in the middle of this, of this book. All the way up until the point where they hung him, they're thinking, hey, you know, we're going to get it in the neck and this Haman jerk, he's number two. God's enemies will eventually be put down and God's people will eventually be promoted. And not only that, we see in the story here that God's people will be joyful and glad. So when they got the news of this, of this second decree, these cities, these towns, they, they called for a feast. They were joyful. They were glad. And not only that, the city, the palace of Shushan and the city, they were glad when this happened. Remember earlier that when that first decree went out, they wasn't so glad. The whole town was perplexed because of this. So what does that tell us? It tells us that God's people are favored by the people around them when it comes right down to it. You know, you may think, you may not think that, you know, people think much of us Christians, but you know, when when it comes down to it, who do they call when they get in a jam? Who do they seek out advice from? No, not Ghostbusters. Uh, 
That's why you fit in this class so well. I could have said that. That sounds like something I would say. Okay, now you're really worried, aren't you? Okay. Verse 17 says, verse 17 says that many, let's go back and read it. So, uh, chapter 8, 17 says, And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became, what? Jews. Okay. I'm going to camp out here for a second. Okay, they became Jews for the for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. I'm not going to focus so much on the fear of that. I mean, we could. But I want to write in your handout, I, I put down, what is a Jew? Okay, so the Jews are... Chosen one or two O's? One? I'm telling you, they taught English that day at school. I was gone. So, the Jews are God's chosen people. What else? Even today. What are the Jews? What is a Jew? (coughs) Okay. Before or after the kingdom split, so they were from Judea. Jews were the Hebrews before that. When did they change and become Jews? Uh, I think Abraham's called a Jew, isn't he? I'd have to go back and okay, I'd have to go back and look. But I think he's okay. the first one they called Jew. They could go back to. Um, they could go to Judah, and they could also go back to. Oh, there's another guy back in. Um, Genesis, there's a guy named Eber. Eber. Right. I was sitting there thinking of Peleg, and it wasn't Peleg. It was it was Eber. Goes back to Eber too. So it's kind of an issue back there. So what is a Jew? They are they are God's chosen people. They are a people group. Anything else? Okay. Let me let me let me do a subheading. They're a people group. By how are they a people group? Again, this is one of those when I talk, nobody understands what I'm trying to say. Well, we're talking about DNA and markers, and they are they are a distinct people, separated from everybody else in their DNA. They are God's chosen people, God's chosen nation. Okay, they are yeah. by blood, genealogy. Is that? Everybody wants to destroy them. So the Jews are God's chosen people. They are a people group by genealogy. Uh, but they're also a people group by what else? Who said something? Faith. Other people can become Jewish by believing in their religion. Okay. The thing we... We don't focus so much on the second one. We focus on, by blood, the genealogy. Okay? Yeah. And even today, we think about, okay, Jewish, they're a Jewish bloodline. Okay? The Jewish bloodline. But here are some people that became Jews because of fear. Uh, anybody else in the Old Testament that you know of that became a Jew? So you got Rahab. Okay, so they wasn't by blood, but yet they became Jewish, right? Here we have some people here that became Jews. They were called proselytes, right? So now when we have that in our mind that, well, they're Jewish because of their bloodline, it's not quite right. In fact, Jesus was upset with the people in the New Testament when he said, you guys, just because you think you're from Abraham, that you're right with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got to realize that a true Jewish person 
is someone who follows the Lord by faith. A lot like Christians today. Now, we're not taking their place, but a Jew is someone who follows by faith, who also follows the law. And so, we could make a really good case that, according to Jesus' words, that you're really a Jew if you follow, if you have faith and follow the law and not so much that the bloodline. So then you think, okay, so when, when God gave David the promises, was it to his bloodline or was it to the people that believed like he did? So, I mean, you're getting pretty picky here, okay? But turn over in your Bible. we got a few more minutes. I'm trying to get you guys to think a little bit today because um, we, do we don't do it enough. You're right. And especially in my class. If you come to our class here and you just think you don't have to think, uh, you'll probably be going to another class. I was going to mention names, but I don't think I will. What's that? Uh, let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, I believe what we have here is uh, John the Baptist. So let's start off in verse 1. It says, Now, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea, and of the region of Trachonitis, and Licentius, and Licentius, the Tetrarch of Abilene. Remind me to have some of you guys read more often. Verse 2, Ananias and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto who? John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. Now, who is this John? What do we call him? John the Baptist. Verse 3, and, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Again, not us, Old Testament setting, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitudes, They came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so he's talking to these people and he's talking to these Pharisees and the just of what he's saying is he, he goes, you guys think you're okay because your father is Abraham. Right. He's saying the bloodline is not the thing. It's the faith and... Blood. Yeah. And so so he goes through that and he's like, the blood a Jew is... is you know, a Jew is is really not so much physical as they are spiritual, okay? And so, I'm I'm throwing this out because a lot of times I'm thinking the opposite, and I'm like, okay, I got to realize to be a Jew, you need to be following God's law, whether you've got Jewish blood or not in the Old Testament, okay? And so, um, turn over to John chapter eight. John chapter 8. I'd like to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to start in verse 12. It says, Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that walketh with me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. And Jesus answered, and he said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, Ye know, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. 
These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. And then said Jesus unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. And then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whether I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge you, but ye that, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the words to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. And then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And I'm going to stop there for a minute. That's not where I'm wanting to go yet. But he says, When you lift me up, you're going to know who I am. And the thought hits me. Do you think those guys really knew who he was when they put him on that cross? He said they would, so if his word is true, they had to know it. Now, whether they would admit it or not, and I'm talking about the Pharisees and the scribes and, and Pilate and whoever put him on the cross, which, which at that point, and I'm not saying that we all didn't put him, I mean, Jesus put himself on the cross because of us, but the people that was against him, when they put him on the cross, Jesus said, you're going to know who I am. Okay? Uh, then they understood not that he spake of them the Father. Verse 28, and then Jesus said unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son, I just read that, in verse 29, and he says, And he that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus unto those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And ye, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. So if your Bible says set you free, there's a trash can somewhere. Somebody stole it. I'll find you one. It's in the back? It's back here? Okay. You hear that all the time. People will say the truth shall set you free. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that the truth will make you free. Because if I set you free, you can get caught and I'd have to set you free again. But if I make you free, you're done. Okay? So... Again, I'm not where I want to go yet. Verse 33, they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that ye shall be made free? Three times it says made. So I don't know why people miss it. Well, I know why they miss it. They don't have the right Bible. So, but he's likening them, just because you're Abraham's seed doesn't make you right with God. Okay? And so, um, let's see if that's far as I wanted. Well, I'd like to go to the end of the chapter, but for time's like, sake. You know, they were saying, okay, we can act like we want to act. We can do what we want to do. We're Abraham's seed. You know, we have the bloodline. We're okay. That is it. Right. Again, they were in bondage to who? To the Romans. To, and, 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 yeah, and Esther, they're in bondage to... Uh, the Persians, mm-hmm. even though they had a pretty good uh, ride, before that they were they were uh, bondage to the Babylonians. And Brian's talking about when they're in bondage to who? In the main service, the Egyptians. So they, they can't even say anything that's right. And so, um, so let's think about. It. So their their whole idea is we're okay with God because we're Jewish. I'm a Jew. And I'm saying, Jesus didn't say that. So, who else can trace their lineage back to Abraham? Muslims can. Ishmael. Esau. And it's like, have you ever wondered why did God choose certain people that the bloodline went through? Well, not only was it the bloodline, but it was the promise. Because they believed. Abraham had two sons. It was Ishmael's 
mother was the bond slave yeah. girl. Right? Yeah. Actually, he had more sons than that, but, yeah, but he had a lot of sons. The other son was the promised son that came to Sarah. Sarah. She was free. She was the wife. Okay, what about Esau? Is he blood? Esau was the son of... Am, am I going back too far? No, you're going forward to I'm going forward one. Okay, just another guy that didn't. Okay, so, so yes. So, uh, so what I'm trying to say is, number one, the Muslims can trace their bloodline back to Abraham. And then you've got people like... Um, um, Ishmael, he can trace his bloodline back to Abe, to them. Uh, but but I think what we're what I'm trying to point out here to truly what Jesus is calling Jewish is not by blood; it's by faith. That's why you can be a proselyte and be Jewish. You didn't have to be by blood. Okay. So, when, when I saw that back in Esther and it says, and many of those people became Jews, they probably had the, the attitude like, well, if you can't beat them, let's join them. But, uh, but also, but, but if they truly saw the character of Mordecai and of Esther, and they had, and apparently they had a good testimony, they saw something in these people and they said, we want what they have. They had favor and they had blessings. Yeah, they saw that. And that's even when the decree to destroy them was given, the city was perplexed mm-hmm. because of that. So that, that kind of also gives me something that we need to realize. Our testimony is super important to the people around us. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there. Uh, Mordecai was a Jew by blood. But he was also a Jew by faith and he was a Jew by his actions. So, um, here today you, you'll hear Christians that, that are Jewish. They'll, they'll call themselves a completed Jew. Um, I, I don't know how that works, but you know, maybe they're Jewish by blood, but you know what? If they're complete in Christ, they're complete. So I don't know how the deal, but again, they're still, they're still focusing on the blood part. Also, as well as the, the spiritual part. So, um, so what can we learn from that? Yes, we need to learn our testimony. People will come to Christ because of our testimony if we have a good testimony. Okay, so let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today and we thank you for loveness. We thank you for the story of, of the Jews, Lord, but help us. We've seen also that the Jews are, are Jews not just by blood, just not just because of who their father was or their grandfather was, but it's because they believed and had faith in you, Lord. And I pray that we today also would, would just because we, we say we live in a Christian nation makes no difference. Uh, we can say that we're a Christian, it makes no difference, but it's our, our testimony and it's our acceptance as you as our Savior, Lord, that, that makes the difference in our life, Lord. So help us to, to know that, help us to live that in our life, help us to be able to explain that to people around us. And Lord, uh, just give us opportunities to preach your word, to preach the gospel. And Lord, we just pray that we'd see fruit as a result of us being faithful. So we pray for that today and ask your blessing on it. In Christ's name, amen. Do you have lesson nine? Uh, I probably do. Yes. Every day I say, I'm going to get us out of here earlier, and I don't. So that's my fault.